Welcome to Invited In, a podcast connecting the global family of Samaritan's Purse. I hope you were able to tune into our last episode in which I talked to Melissa Strickland and we honored and remembered her nephew, Dylan. It truly was a privilege to share the legacy of an American hero, and I was greatly impacted by our conversation. We wanted to continue to offer hope and encouragement today. This pandemic has filled our entire globe with fear and uncertainty. And as believers and family of Samaritan's Purse, we have been stretched and pressed, responding in great capacity in Jesus' name. As we shared in the last episode, Jesus says in Luke 12, 48, to whom much is given, much is required. Samaritan's Purse has been entrusted with much and therefore much has been demanded. Samaritan's Purse has been responding to the pandemic and natural disasters, and it has required a lot from our staff and our families. So first, I wanna say thank you. Thank you to every staff member for putting on a different hat and doing different roles and working late and long hours and being willing to serve and go and be the hands and feet of Jesus during this difficult time. And to the family members for allowing your spouse to work long hours or go and serve, thank you for sharing them. Thank you for playing a vital role in the support of this ministry. And I want you all to know that what you do matters. Each and every one of you plays a great role in our response, and we truly couldn't do it without you. If you're feeling weary or discouraged today, we wanted to remind you that God sees you. We want to share a powerful devotion from Jeremy Zirkel. Jeremy serves as the Church Relations Coordinator for North America Ministries, and he shared a powerful devotion from Acts 11, 19 through 21, and we wanted you to hear it. He reminds us that we are called to be bold and faithful, and even if God is the only one who sees us, it's worth it. I love the reminder that God is El Roy, the God who sees. Well, good morning. So, uh, I think last week was uh, round two, and I promise this will be the end of it. This is round three, all right? So we're gonna, I'd like for us to, um, to kind of jump back to this morning's devotion, back to that scripture where we, where we landed last week. It's in uh, Acts chapter 11, verses 19 to 21. I'm gonna read that, and we've all slept since then, so I'm not expecting that everyone remembers what we read last week. So let me uh, read that scripture and then uh, a few thoughts this morning. It says, now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. And so you have these two, in this passage, you have these two categories of people. You have some who, when they got spread because of the persecution, spoke to no one but the Jews. But then I love it how it says there were some. So the majority spoke to the Jews. There were some, remember last week, that were fluid, to use that term, um, that began spree, uh, preaching the gospel to the Hellenists. That's the Gentiles, the nations that Jesus uh, talked about. But again, reminder that this is the first time this, was, this has happened in the church when there's been this intentional effort by believers to preach to the Gentiles. That's never happened before. And so you, you read about this account, these bold, courageous, um, you know, charting new territories, these believers uh, with the gospel. But what is interesting about this is that we don't know who these men were. We don't know their names. They're anonymous to us. They're just simply men from Cyprus and Cyrene. And I find it interesting, the fact that this is a huge moment in the history of the church, but these men go completely nameless. And the fact is that God was okay with that. 
God was okay with that. I mean, he, he had it, this narrative included in scripture and said, you know, I want this story to be told, but I'm okay, God saying, you know, I'm okay with them being nameless. You know, this is the perfect holy word and that's not compromised by the fact that these men are not named, they're not credited, if you will, for the work that they did. God was okay with that. You know, I think when we think of church history or just, you know, pastors and leaders today, I think every single one of us in this room could name five Christian leaders right now, five pastors, five leaders. We can name off, you know, rattle off five very quickly. But on the flip side, think about the millions and millions and millions and millions of believers that we don't know who they are. We don't know their names. But that doesn't make what they're doing any less bold, any less courageous and how they live out their faith. You know, I think it's encouraging when we read scripture, there's one of the names for God is El Roy. It means the God who sees me. And that's encouraging to us because, you know, God sees them. He saw what they did. God sees us. He sees you and how we live out our faith. God sees us. That's encouraging. But it's also challenging when sometimes we're reminded of the fact that sometimes it's only God that sees. You know, we live in a culture that craves recognition. It craves recognition. You got Facebook, you have Twitter. Um, I was talking this with my wife last night. I completely forgot about Instagram. I'm not that savvy with it. But anyway, you have these, you know, and we're, we're always looking, you know, I, I'll be honest, when I posted something on Facebook, I, I love looking in the evening, just kind of just, you know, you know, not trying to be uh, self-absorbed, but looking, oh, who, who liked my, you know, my post? And it's disappointing when you've only got like 15. You think, man, I was really hoping that I'd get to the 50s or the 100s. And man, if I could really go viral. I mean, we're always, you know, there's this, there's this desire in our culture. And I, I, we, our culture hates, our, in our flesh, it's a reminder of our flesh, our flesh hates anonymity. We hate being anonymous. We hate doing something and not being recognized for it. But this is exactly what Jesus called out in the Pharisees. He said, you know, they are men who love the praise of men more than God. He said that in John 12, 43. You know, men who pray or who love the praise of the recognition from men who they see, but not from a God who they can't see. You know, I fell into this when I was pastoring. You know, when I started pastoring, I was in my, uh, I was in my mid to late 20s. And I distinctly remember, I was from Danville, Illinois. And I distinctly remember in the newspaper, this top 30 leaders under 30. And man, I was like, I want to make that list. Well, I turned 30, so I had new goals, right? To make the top 40 under 40. <laughs> that was my new goal. Uh, didn't make that list either. But, I, but I, I share that because there's this desire that we want to be recognized. We want to be honored. We want to be, you know, respected among culture, among the community. And I believe this, in, the, 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 this idea that our impact is equal to our recognition. Impact is equal to recognition, meaning that the more we are recognized is, is validating of the impact that we have. But I appreciate scriptures like this that remind me that that's not the kingdom principle. In fact, the kingdom is a countercultural principle that says your impact is not equated with recognition. It's not equal to, I'm sorry, it's not equal to recognition. You know, I think we understand that from a cultural perspective, right? When we do work in our culture, when we, you know, I think we, as, as, a, as a ministry, we can look at countless examples when we've done something in culture and we've not been appreciated. You didn't get the thank you note from the society, from the culture in which we served. They didn't say thank you for coming. They kind of kicked us out the door and said, no, you know, thanks for doing your work, but we need you to leave. I think we can name examples for that. And we accept that as the culture. But what's hard is when we're not recognized in the Christian culture. Sometimes in church, sometimes in SP, we're not recognized or appreciated the way we feel like that we deserve. 
that makes us feel appreciated, that makes us recognize that what we're doing is making a difference, that we're noticed, that what we're doing matters. But that doesn't make what you do and what I do anything any less courageous or bold or significant or maybe even world-changing. You know, why is it significant to, to land here, focusing on these men of Cyprus and Cyrene? Because we work for a ministry and the majority of us here are men and women from Cyprus and Cyrene. We're gonna be anonymous to the pages of history, maybe even Christian history. You may be forever remembered just as being a person from SP. You know, you may just be remembered from being a person from Boone or from Wilkes or from Charlotte or just a person from that church, not recognized by name. But that doesn't mean what you're doing is any less courageous, is any less bold, is any less sacrificial or significant. It may not be recognized, but that doesn't minimize the tremendous impact that you have. You know, I think it's a challenge to us and a reminder that we are called to be faithful and bold, even if God is the only one that sees us. Because we serve and honor one person and his name is Jesus. Proverbs 29, 25 says, the fear of man is a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord will be set securely on high. May we never forget or grow weary in remembering that God sees us, that God is at work in that, and that God is pleased. There's a gentleman in our church. His name is John Lachelle. Uh, he's a pastor, um, and he's shown me and my family radical hospitality, he and his wife, Heather, and we greatly appreciate them. But I imagine most of you, you know, don't know who they are. They're anonymous to you. But he was an incredible teacher. He's a faithful pastor. And like I said, he's had a huge impact on my family. And one of the things that he introduced me to was a biography by George Whitfield. Um, I knew the name. I didn't know much about, his, about much about his story, but I began reading his biography and I was fascinated by who he was. He was an 18th century revivalist. Uh, he and John Wesley were contemporaries. And so uh, they were actually both the starters of Methodism. But they came apart in their, in their, uh, in their journey as, re, as both revivalists, and they kind of went different directions theologically on, on a few issues. Well, it became that their churches, their, or their kind of movements grew and grew, and it came to a point where they, they felt like they needed to come together and see if they could reconcile, they could come in unity on their theological differences, but they couldn't. And so you had George Whitfield and John Wesley, their two camps, and their followers said, you need to, you need just to lead, you know, just, just forget the other. But George Whitfield's desire for unity was greater than his desire for himself. And so he actually, he stepped down from his role and he allowed Wesley to become the leader of Methodism. And he kind of removed himself from that position. And the reason he did so was he said, you know what? I would rather my name be erased from history, be erased from history if it means that God's name is glorified more. I would rather my name be erased from history if it meant that Jesus Christ was more praised and more glorified and more proclaimed. To me, that's been a challenging reminder. You know, we have on our trucks in Nam it says, you know, helping in Jesus' name. We talk about serving in Jesus and we honor Jesus. And sometimes, sometimes we're honest with ourselves. Sometimes I think we say that, but inwardly we wrestle with that but it's a challenge and a reminder that, no, that's, that's exactly who it is that we serve. You know, on all of our shirts, our hats, it's, it's the cross reminder. It's Jesus that we serve. It's him that we honor. 
And if he gets the praise and he alone gets the praise, praise the Lord for that. If every single one of us, if all of our names were erased from history, that'd be okay as long as Jesus Christ was glorified and proclaimed. Blessings, friends. Thanks for letting me share. I hope you were just as encouraged as I was. I loved verse 21 that says, and the hand of the Lord was with them and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. I pray that the hand of the Lord stays upon Samaritan's Purse and that we remain faithful to preach the gospel. And I love that he reminded us that God sees us. The God who created us on purpose, for a purpose, sees you, all that you do, and he equips you to do the work that he's asked you to do. Remember that God knows every hair on your head. He knows every detail and he sees everything that you do for his glory. So if you don't get recognition and praise here on earth, our father sees every detail and he knows us completely. And that is enough. I wanna close with Matthew 10, 29 through 32. Are not two sparrows sold for a cent and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So do not fear. You are more valuable than many sparrows. Therefore, everyone who confesses me before men, I will confess him before my father who is in heaven. Remember, eternity is what we're striving for. He sees us and he finds us so that we can know him and we can share that knowledge with others. Thank you so much for sharing your faith every single day. Whether you are going or sending, you are doing kingdom work and our Father sees you. Thanks for tuning in and God bless you.